It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning, my friends. This is Lawn and Garden, and I'm Walter Reeves. The Georgia Gardener here to help you be more successful. Whatever you want to do, you, t- you decide. You tell me. You tell me. You call me. You say, hey, I want to fill in the blank, and I will help you get there. If you want to go outside for another week or two or three because it's too chilly outside, just say, I don't want to go outside. I'll give you things to do inside. Gardening, non-gardening, pests, problems, weird things that you've seen outside, I want you to call me, 404-872-0750. And this morning, I want to talk about looking Looking around, seeing things, looking up in the air, looking down at the ground, looking around and around and around to see what you might see because my neighbor yesterday, my friend Gus, called yesterday afternoon from his office parking lot and said, Walter, it's happening again. The things are popping and scattering all over the parking lot out here. What is going on? I said, well, Gus, tell me more. And to be truthful, when he said happening again, he was actually referring to something that had happened last year that we had successfully identified. Because what he said, it sounded like it was this little pop, pop, poof, and then things dropping down out of the trees, through the leaves, through the shrubbery, through the underbrush, underneath those trees. What could that be on a late January, early February afternoon? What could be happening? And then I get in and I show these pods that Gus collected for me. And I talk to, to Jason and to Ashley. And Jason says, yeah, 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 yeah. When I was a kid, what did you do, Jason, with these pods? We would pick them and throw them at each other. Because when you'd <laughs> hit somebody in the back, a ripe one would explode and snap and sting like crazy. Ah, boy stuff. Yeah. Exactly. When kids were kids. When kids were kids, mostly boys were kids. That's what you do. You throw things at each other, and if it hurts, hey, that's even better. So what could this if thing be? If it hurts, be? it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it is sort of funny. Like when we used to shoot BB guns at each other. But we're not going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about these things that were dropping down out of the trees in my friend Gus's parking lot of his office. What is it? Well, we looked it up it looked up into the into the tree, Gus did. And Jason this morning looked at those pods and said, are those, it's like, uh, they're from a vine maybe? Is it wisteria? Yes, it is. Bing, 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 bing. Jason Byers gets it this morning. It is this time of year. Wisteria pods, they're long. They're six, eight inches long. Wisteria pods get to a certain state, I guess you'd call it, a state of uh, dehydration, of drying out in the tree. And then, because, as you know, wisteria goes everywhere. The vine itself grows rapidly in all directions. And so the wisteria vine pops, and the seed pods twirl. And they twirl around. And as they twirl, they sling the seeds out amongst the 
underbrush and through the tree leaves and shrubbery underneath the, the wisteria vine. And that is what Gus was hearing in his parking lot. That is what Jason was throwing at his friends when he was a kid. Wisteria pods. If you have an unpruned wisteria vine up in the trees in the backyard or somewhere that you walk past or something, go look, go listen. Afternoon, 5, 5.30, when it's dry, it'll be dry and warm this afternoon. All the wisteria pods in Atlanta will be breaking apart and casting their seeds to places unknown so they can germinate and make more wisteria all over Atlanta. One more thing. I want you to look up into the trees, particularly pine trees. Yesterday, I was driving on a street near my house on Fair Oaks Road, and about halfway between the one end of Fair Oaks is at La Vista Road, the other end of Fair Oaks is at uh, Oak Grove Road. And about halfway on Fair Oaks, as I was driving, I looked up into the pine trees next to the street, and there's this huge, huge, like eight feet in diameter mass of pine needles, not brown pine needles, not caught brown, you know, just hanging in the tree pine needles. These were green growing pine needles, thick, a thick, 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 eight foot diameter mass of pine needles. What is that? Well, you may have seen it yourself. You may have seen pine trees that have this mass of needles growing so closely together you can't even see through them. And the room, the, the name for them, is a witch's broom or a proliferation, but witch's broom is what a lot of the gardener expert call it calls it because it is where the buds at the ends of the branches has all of a sudden decided to proliferate. They have decided to make more needles than the, than the law allows. And so these witch's brooms that happen in the pine trees also happen in other conifers. As a matter of fact, if you take those out of the tree and propagate them, if you have a greenhouse or something, and you propagate these, these witches' broom tissues, you will get dwarf, very thick pine trees or dwarf, very thick cedar trees or, 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 or chemocypress trees or whatever you got that has the witches' broom proliferation at the ends of the branches. And that is where some varieties of cedar, chemocypress, pine even, have been propagated and sold now as named things you can grow in your in your landscape. How about that? Interesting stuff. If you have seen something you want to know, what the devil is this? 404-872-0750. Someone who rarely has anything that surprises her, my friend Nicole down in Griffin, Georgia. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Mr. Reeve. You ever seen anything you didn't know what it was, Nicole? Well, I was talking about that. I was sitting outside yesterday. And you always tell me uh, not to look down. You have to look, yeah, up. look up. So I love, uh, saw this big pine tree, and it's got uh, the head split, and it's got two leaders now. Yeah. Is that a normal thing? I never saw that on pine It's pine a tree. normal thing, but it's not a good thing, as you can probably figure out. If one of those uh, leaders gets a little heavy or if the you know ice or something accumulates on one and not the other so much, then it breaks out. Those codominant leaders happen in pine trees. It happen a lot more, I guess, in, in you know broadleaf things, broadleaf trees. I see them all the time in, in tulip poplar and maples. A lot of times, too, you see codominant leaders. And inevitably, life is not good to one or the other side. It. it pops out, it falls away, and falls onto your house or your car or truck or whatever. So they're not a good thing 
in your house and behind the house, if it's a big tree, Nicole, you can't do much, but don't park underneath it. No, it's away from the house. So uh, uh, remember this time, you know, like 15th of February at yeah. the the line to grow uh, to plant something, so you'd be successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I did this uh, this week uh, Nandina yeah, by sure, layering. Yeah. Oh, I just uh, I was successful last week uh, last year, and uh, the firepower Nandina. Uh, what else, Mister Reeve? Uh, layering? Can you do camellia? By layering? Layering? Did you take your nandina and just lay it down on the ground and root it, or is that what you mean by layering? It, it just happened in nature. Uh, a branch goes, uh-huh. uh, you know, deeper and got a lot of roots, get and you root, cut it. Cut it away, you... got a little baby clone of, yeah. of whatever you had there. Sure. Uh, camellias do it. Hydrangeas do it commonly. Azaleas. Oh, commonly azaleas. And I think myself so rich when I see that happening because then, Nicole, I have two instead of one plant. I can dig up the little sprout that has layered itself into the ground, that has rooted itself on the ground, cut it away, dig it up, plant it somewhere else. I got two now rather than one. Yeah, it's just so easy. And uh, instead of going to the nursery and buying yeah. them, you know. Yeah, we don't and want to take anything away from the nurseries, of course, but if we can make two out of one and free and all that, then why not? So I didn't know about camellia. Somebody asked me, how can you propagate camellia? Because yeah. Uh, yeah. you if, can do it with camellia too, isn't if it? If you have a little limb, a little limber limb that's close to the ground and it has to be limber enough that you can bend it down out of the camellia shrub. And a lot of times, Nicole, I put a brick on top just to hold it in place. You know how you have to sort of hold it so nothing, nothing disturbs it. And maybe a little bit of dirt. And I am told, and I believe this is true because I've done it myself, if you wound it just a little bit, just take a, a knife and scrape the bark a little bit so this bare bark a little ways around one of these limbs that you've laid down on the ground, that wounding will help it to root as well. Leave it there for how long did you say, Nicole? For five months, six months? What do you think? I would, uh, you know, a good year. Unless, yeah, you know, year. this year we got a lot of water, so it'd be uh, easier. Yeah, you know? no, don't let it dry out. Maybe in the summertime, think of every once in a while, go over and pour a bucket of water in that area so it doesn't dry out. But yeah, you can, you can layer lots and lots of woody shrubs. Wound the limb, lay it onto the ground, put a brick on top to hold it in place. Boom to boom. Give twelve months and you got something else. Did you work in your garden this this week? Uh, what about if I watch the kids from next door rake my leaves? Okay. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> Supervis- supervis- supervisory uh, work is very hard sometimes, Nicole. And I supervised those two kids and paid them to do it for me. And they filled up four garbage cans, big garbage cans full of leaves and needles and were happy to receive my money and they'll go out and by who knows what, <laughs> I got my needles uh, raked up. That's what I did. So you have a big pile in the back of the house too. Yeah, uh, these are now in the, in the cans in front of the house now. But there was a big pile behind the house. Yes, gone now. <laughs> uh, what do you uh, if you have a little time? Uh, actually, we don't. We have twenty-two seconds, so we don't oh. have a lot of time. <laughs> so. But, Nicole, as always, I would say it's wonderful to hear your voice, and I hope to see you again and talk to you again next Saturday. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day, too. We will see you soon at 618. We'll be back after this. Hey, Walter. It's Scott Slade. Congratulations on 25 years here on WSB, helping millions of Georgians. 
Make that millions and one, including me. Email this week. Somebody say, you know, you have the best bumper music on the planet. Yes, we do. Jason Byers right here in charge of that. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security today. Partly cloudy, dry, high, almost 60 degrees. We call it 59 and a half. Low of 44 overnight. Tomorrow, Super Bowl Sunday, 30% chance of a light shower early. High of 60, low of 43. Walking into Mercedes-Benz Stadium is going to be a breeze. Mark in Lawrenceville joins us. Hey, Mark, good morning. Mark, did I pull myself away? Yes, I did. Mark, just hang on here. Pull myself together again. There you are. Ooh. All right, now I'm on. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got uh, boxwoods and monkey grass in my front yard, yeah. and they've been there for five or six years. Yeah. And uh, I never trimmed them, and they refuse to grow. They're very small. I, and I throw fertilizer once in a while, but I, I'm wondering is, is the lack of trimming uh, the reason why they're not growing. These are Japanese boxwoods yeah. and just monkey grass. Monkey grass is not, you can't make it not grow. I mean, what did you do <laughs> to make the monkey grass not grow? I don't monkey know. I, don't I live know. on a slope and we got this hard red clay. Yeah, I guess. Huh. It, it, when a plant doesn't grow, all right, let's just put it down where the where the goats can get it here. When a plant doesn't grow, most often, it's because the root system has not expanded. All right, so we've got it's planted in hard clay, and so that is not the greatest place for any plant to live because the clay particles are so small, they pack together, and the roots just can't penetrate it. They can't go through it to get the moisture and nutrients they want. As a result, they stay sort of dwarf, much as if Mark, you know, only ate breakfast every day. <laughs> he would not grow very well. So... How old are they, Mark? How old is the uh, boxwood shrubs now? Uh, at least five or six years. And, and one other note, I have monkey grass in two places. Yeah. One place, I just put it directly in the red clay. But the other place, yeah. I did dig it up and throw in, in mulch and topsoil yeah. before I planted those. Okay. And they're both growing the same. Neither one will grow. <laughs> so one, one actually has loose dirt. The other one doesn't. Yeah. They're growing the same. Tell you what. Um, I will re- direct you, as I have to other callers before who have said their their shrubbery does not grow very well. I'll direct you to my website in one word to type into the search line at WalterReeves.com. Type the word rejuvenate because it's a page that I put a recipe for mixing up soil amendment and um, millorganite or any other slow-release organic fertilizer and then mixing it in with the surface soil around a plant that's not growing so well and rejuvenating it. And so that's what, if you want something to do, this would be a nice, pleasant weekend in which to do it. And uh, it's not hard to go get a wheelbarrow and some soil amendment and, and millorganite, mix it up good and spread it and jab it into the ground, as I described, with a pitchfork. So that's what I would say do, Mark. If you want them to grow better, they need a better root system. And the best way to make a better root system is make loose you know, penetrative soil, soil that the roots can go through. And that's what I would do. WalterReeves.com, one word, rejuvenate. 
All right, sounds good. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to like it when you get through because your shoulders will hurt, Mark. I'm telling you, the shoulders will hurt from lifting up the pitchfork and jabbing it into the ground, but that is the way. And you don't have to dig them up. You don't have to do anything. to hard work, but you can get them to rejuvenate simply by simply by um, putting my formula of organic matter stuff on the soil. It's 628 at News Talk WSB. Coming up in the next hour, Dory has bold, Benny has grass, Jeff has zoysia. Maybe you can join us. 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.36 on a Saturday morning, 39 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful and bring a little happiness into your Saturday morning as well. My number is 404-872-0750. Dory is out in Comer, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hi, Dory. Good morning. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a problem with bowls sure. and my hostas. I've even put gravel around the hole when I plant. I put daffodils around the hole, yeah. and the plants just dips, disappear. Even uh, other plants, too, like uh, mostly uh, hostas, but I've even had um, gardenias yeah, chew just them up fall and, over. I yeah. had a lady you know, a couple, three weeks ago now, Dory, who said, something is chewing my camellia and laying it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you have. You have voles that are chewing the roots, and the plant is laying down. For listeners who don't know what voles are, they're little meadow mice. And then this time of year, they're hungry. They don't have much to eat seed-wise or anything else. And the best thing they can find is the roots of hosta and camellia, gardenia, roses, things like that. Uh, Dory, rather than the gravel, I know there are products sold to deter voles, the sort of gravel-like inconsistency. But honestly, if you've got a lot of voles, the best thing for you is a mouse trap or a half a dozen mouse traps. Uh-huh. Bait them with peanut butter, put a little cardboard box over the top with uh, the one one corner raised up so they can get underneath there, and they will be as happy as they can be eating that peanut butter until all of a sudden, bam, they're dead, and then Dory doesn't have a bowl or two um, or three or four. Because they do it all year round. I mean, it's not any specific time. <laughs> so, you know, you know how to operate a mouse trap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, I'll try it because I've tried everything else. Yeah, I'll if, try that. Let me mention, Dory, too, that one of the things that really bothers me about mouse and rat traps is the fear of being snapped. You know, your finger in that thing, you think, yeah. I'm going to say the bad word if that hits my finger. There are models that you can buy. Victor is one brand name that you squeeze from the back and doesn't require you to put your finger in harm's way. So at the hardware store or the big box store, look for the one that you squeeze from the backside and not from the, you know, from the front side that would snap you. All right. All right. right. Thank you. And again, six traps is about right. Don't go around thinking that seven or one, thinking that one trap is enough. It's not enough. You need a bunch. Six or seven would be fine. Let's see here. We've got Benny out in Jasper, Georgia. Hey, Benny. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hey, what what you got? Okay. um, 
I'm uh, actually on my way to Jasper, Georgia, so I'm going to pull over here in just a second. <laughs> oh, oh, that's uh, right. you got to be careful. The policeman yeah. can see the Thank glow you. of your uh, phone inside the inside the truck there. Uh, it's all good. I'm on a hands-free thing. Um, <clears throat> so I'm about to do something kind of radical. I just bought 30 acres a couple of years ago up near Jasper, Georgia. Okay. Uh, it's fully wooded. Actually, select cut about 10 or 12 years ago. So what came up next you can imagine over the last 12 years is massive brush yeah. and the timber that stood then the pine timber uh, is now uh, really mature and in good shape so i want to go in and clear out all the small stuff and harvest the big timber got it good deal my goal my goal and i, I want to tell you kind of the whole plan here and then you I, I got tons of questions and not enough time for us today um but uh, my goal is intensive grazing for livestock, primarily a small herd of cattle uh, and a couple of horses and who knows what else. My wife might want a horse. Sure. I know she does. Um, and I, I've been told, uh, so I'm going to take out all the, the little stuff, harvest the trees, and then plant pasture. Okay, easy enough. My topsoil looks like it's six to eight inches deep and uh, then hard red clay. All right. uh, and I've been told. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I want to get to the question. So, what's the question? It sounds like so far you're great, you're in good shape. But other than taking out the shrubbery stuff, the brush and all. What kind of grass? I've been told for good pasture, intensive grazing, to plant fescue and orchard grass. I know fescue does not like mid-July to mid-September in Atlanta. Right. Uh, so. I want something that they can graze on year-round. I'm thinking about an, uh, adding something to the blend. Mm -hmm. What about orchard grass and what else? It's a good blend grass. Um, some people do coastal Bermuda and coastal and the fescue fight with each other, but you'll find places where the fescue grows and is green in the wintertime, which is good for grazing for wintertime you know, animal food. And the coastal out in the, sun, the sunshine, where the fescue doesn't care to be growing very much, the coastal takes over and it grows during the summer, and the cows and the horses eat the, the, the coastal. So what I would so do, Benny, is fine. Uh, turn the radio down, uh, Benny. Got a little here. echo there. Oh, sorry. There we go. Sorry, so what I would do, Benny, is call the uh, Jasper. Let me see. What county is Jasper in? I forgot. Mon not in Monticello. Pickens. Pickens, Pickens county. county. Call the Pickens County Extension Office and ask them. As a matter of fact, you may be able to download it off the internet. Um, the Extension Service, the Athens Extension Service, has a really nice Pastures in Georgia book booklet that has all the different blends of grasses, how much fescue and orchard grass and uh, coastal or whatever blend they think is best for Pickens County. And that's okay. what you'd use for your reference, is to look at that book and see, well, this blend looks like it would fit for my cows, my horse, my sheep, or whatever you're going to have. But the Pickens County Extension Office can either download it for you or they can uh, tell you the link so you can download it and print it out yourself. Study that, and that will give you all the details you need. And, you know, soil test is good and other details you need before you prepare, before you get started planting, I mean. Okay. I've also been told to that... Uh, apply gypsum uh, to till it in yeah. and that it will penetrate down it well down into the uh, hard pan clay and actually promote root deep root growth is that true completely false 
Okay. <laughs> I just tell you two words right there. One word is no. <laughs> two words is completely false. No, it doesn't work. Uh, gypsum Thank you. doesn't do anything to make clay soil less uh, dense, less hard. The only time gypsum works is when you have a crusty soil, meaning down in South Georgia where they grow peanuts, or in the Midwest where you have a lot of sodium in the soil. Gypsum does a pretty good job there. But in normal Georgia, clay soils has zero effect on tilth and tillability. No. Okay. Man. Next question. No, wait, wait, wait. Benny, Benny, Benny. Uh, we've run out of time. We've got to go to these other folks who are waiting patiently saying, come on, Benny. <laughs> Benny, call Thanks. the Extension Service in Pickens County. they got more answers than I do. They know what they're talking about. That's the great thing about the Extension Office. They know what they're doing. Thank you. I listen to your show all the time. It's a great show. Thanks so much. It's great talking to you, Benny. Drive safely and have fun clearing out that 30 acres. That is going to be a job for you. Judy is up in Jefferson and joins us at Lawn and Garden. Hey, Judy, good morning. Good morning. Thank Hi. you. Love your show. Thank I have you. a question about hellebores that I heard you and Mickey talking about. I went to Pike, found them, love them. Right. But my question is, if I plant those in my front beds now, am I going to have to worry about the hot sun this summer? Mm, how much hot sun? All day hot sun? No, I no, I think a good part of the day is hot sun and then the shade takes over in the front. Mm -hmm. And um I would say a couple hours of hot sun. I haven't been in this house for a really long time, so I'm not real sure about my uh summer sun yet. It is worth a try. If you get if it's you know, middle of Benny's pasture where it's full sun in the uh -huh. middle of his pasture, that probably is not a great place for hellebores to grow. But Linton Rose, in my experience in my front yard, is in pretty close to all day hot sun and it is doing fine. So okay, you're, great. I think you've got a chance to, yours would do well too. Those are absolutely awesome plants. Yeah, I, as soon as I saw those, I fell in love and they get what, a couple of feet in height? I wouldn't say a couple. When they're mature, maybe, and it depends a little bit on the cultivar. Some are taller and some are shorter. It depends on which one you have. But I would say a foot to a foot and a half is closer to average for hellebores. Okay. Linton rose, okay. Christmas rose, yeah. Sounds awesome. I just think they are fabulous. They are and indeed. I'll... Have fun with it, Judy. It's going to be great. And I love your show. Oh, Judy, awesome. one, more, one more thing. Why don't you make plans to join me? I'll be there for the Jefferson Foliage Fest, which happens in mm, some weeks from now. I can't remember the exact date, but the Jefferson Foliage Fest, I'll be there, and you can come see me then. Oh, man, I will. I didn't know there was such a thing. Yes. I'm new out here. Jefferson Foliage Fest. Foliage Festival. Yeah, the Tree I Council will do uh, it. puts it on, and I'm sure they would be happy for you to come. Susan Russell and... The crowd, they have a bunch of plant vendors there, by the way, Judy. So if you want to see some plants, that would be a good place to visit Oh, with I do. About. I do. I didn't know there was such a thing. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. All right. I'll Thank see you there. You, you bet. Uh -huh. Bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take her place. I say, Sharon, I want to talk to you about this witch's broom in your Japanese maple. Tell me more, Sharon. Morning, Walter. Good morning. Thank you. I've been looking at this for a while now. I've lived in this house for about a year and a half, and it's a it's a coral bark, and it's beautiful. It's probably about the age of the house, which would make it around fifteen ish. And I look up at the top, and there are these things that I can describe that look like feather dusters. 
that stick up above the crown of the tree and, of course, ruins the shape of the tree. And I was looking at it and thinking, I wonder if witches grew roses and trees because I know what it looks like in roses. I already take one out of my backyard. So you answered that question this morning, which is yes. And now the next question is, so now what do I do? Like, does it kill the tree? Can I just prune it out? If I do, how do I prune it? What, what, where do I go from here? And are the prunings, like, savable? Like you said something about taking the pine prunings and, and rooting them and coming up with new cultivars. Do I have, like, a it would be sort of fun to have a, in my backyard? It would be fun to have a miniature dwarf Karl Barth maple that was only two feet high, three feet high from this witch's cool. broom, as you describe here. If you want to study up on how to propagate maple, Sharon, it would be sort of fun to see what comes up. So... Think about it. Think about it. Maybe you'll have, you know, Sharon Select Dwarf Karl Bark Maple, and you'd be famous, maybe. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but if you decide you don't want to do that, yeah, you just cut it out. That's all you do is cut it out. Um, it's not going to hurt. I mean, how far tree. down do I go is the next question. Uh, as far as you want it's to. It's not really obvious looking at it how far down I should take the pruning. I just cut it down below where the proliferation starts. I don't think it's going to be any further down than just the buds where the mass of branches is, is happening now. Okay, and it, it's not like it is in roses where you just basically have to destroy the plant? No, no it's not a virus. It's uh, something else that makes the, the buds proliferate like that. Oh, that's just great news. Okay, yeah. well, maybe I'll send you an email. And Let me to... know in a couple of years when you have that dwarf uh, Carl Bark maple. Maybe it'll be Sharon and Walter's famous dwarf <laughs> ring. Absolutely. Could be. That'd be cool. I'll share okay, thanks. All right, thanks for calling, Sharon. It's 648 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. It's a silver anniversary. 25 years of Walter Reeves and the Lawn and Garden Show, right here on WSB. Brought to you by Ackerman Security today. Partly cloudy, dry, high at almost 60 degrees, low 44. Tomorrow, just a slight chance, 30% chance of a light shower early, but high of 60 degrees and low of 43 tomorrow night. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We've got, let's see, Matt in Brookhaven who joins us in Lawn and Garden. Hey, Matt. Morning. Hey there. Good morning. Um, I've got a, a a Japanese maple that uh, the previous owner planted in a, a styrofoam pot in the backyard, and we've been in the house about two years, and it has grown through the pot, so the root ball is up in the pot, but it's it's now rooted itself, and the tree's at a bad angle, and I guess I'm wondering the best way to transplant it and maybe the timing of my, my transplant to just move it into the ground where it is. Wow. That is a good question, Matt, because I'm thinking you got that whole root ball in what was the styrofoam pot. The big root comes yeah. through the bottom into the ground underneath. And the tr- how big is, is the tree now, Matt? I, geez, I would say it, it's fairly large. I would say between 10 to 12 feet. Oh. Yeah, it's a big one. It's a big one. And as you say, it's crooked, too, and not in the right place. Right, it's crooked and it's in a nice little area, and I just want to. would love to transplant it and stake it and, and straighten it up. 
All right, rubbing the crystal ball that I keep over here in the corner at the studio, I think that the future does not look good if you leave it with the root ball above ground in right. the styrofoam, which means right. that the short-term future is Matt in Brookhaven with a shovel who goes out and digs the darn thing up. You may have to shorten or trim off some of the lower roots that are in the ground, but they won't be really deep. That's the good news, Matt, is they're not going to be yeah, really... Yeah you know, 10 feet deep and eight feet wide or anything like that. It's going to be wider rather than deeper. So if you, I would go out a foot or two from the trunk area and start digging down and notice that the roots are about 10 to 12 inches deep probably. And just dig and dig and take a break and dig and dig and take a break <clears throat> until you sort of isolated the root system, try to heave it up out of the ground. And then in the, either the new place or in that single place itself, bury the uppermost root portion, the part that was in the styrofoam, bury that so it is right at soil line. So it's the, the flaring part where the trunk flares out to become the root system. So that is right at the soil line of your normal garden soil. And okay. that, I think, is the best you can do. I believe the Japanese maple will survive and be fine. Okay. As far as timing is concerned with freezing, do I need to be concerned with any of that, or should I just do it now while it's dormant? You can do it this afternoon, get started. Tomorrow, turn the radio on, listen to the uh, Super Bowl, or turn the TV on or something out there. Watch the Super Bowl as you dig. This, there's not a better time than today and tomorrow. All right, perfect. Well, that, that does it. I'm, I'm going to yeah, go grab the shovel. I get one more time to say, boy, it's great telling other people what to do in their gardens. To do work, that's going to be hard work, Matt, but it's going to be a pretty tree. I have no doubt it's going to be a pretty tree. Dave has some zoysia side that sadly caught on fire. We're going to talk to Dave in a minute. And Tom wants to plant his perennial flower bed real soon. He'll be first in line. We'll be back to them right after news.